God is faithful. Thank you to everyone who participated in our week of prayer this week. And um, it was a powerful, powerful time. And um, prayer is essential to the believer today. It's essential to every believer at all times. And, And during this week of prayer... God prompted me, and I, I, I made this statement quite some time ago. I, I've not been one that the Lord has really prompted to preach series of messages. A lot of the messages that I preach have been standalone, encapsulated. Sometimes I would maybe run one into another one from one week to the next. But the Lord just put this on my heart to preach for the next four Sundays, starting today, of how to pray how to pray regarding God's will, God's provision for forgiveness and about temptation. Those are the four topics we're going to cover over the next four weeks during this January. And as we start 2023, I mean, who would have thought that 2023, um, it just seems so far. If you look, if you think back to the times when, you know, in the 1900s, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, most of you, a few of you younger folks weren't, but most, many of you were born in the 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother's getting ready to celebrate her 100th birthday uh, week on the 20th of this month. So um, anyway, if you know her, she would be glad to see you come to her party. Uh, so amen. But how to pray is really critical and it's essential for us to know. And I think that many people, many people may be intimidated by prayer. They may be intimidated because they don't have a regular practice of praying. And they they may think, well, what do I do when I pray? Um, I see prayer in church. I hear people pray. But what does that mean to me? How do I actually pray? And it's really, I think, sometimes made harder yeah, absolutely. Then what it absolutely is. It is really just sharing our heart with the Lord. But Jesus gave some specific examples for us to look at. And I want to look at those today. How many of you have ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? Which one? The Lord's Prayer. Most of you could probably recite it if I were to ask you to do it. You know, while the words may be familiar to a great majority, these words of Jesus are powerful and they give us the guidelines of how to pray. How to pray. I want to look at this story and we're going to start in Mark in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1, which precedes the verse that I want to get to, but the reason that we go there is because the verse I want to start with starts with and, and I hate starting a verse that starts with and because it meant there was something else attached to it. Matthew 6 verse 1 says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Your righteousness, your relationship with the Lord. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. How many of you like rewards? Absolutely. Absolutely. you, you know, you, you uh, it, for all those people that, that like rewards, they have the app and you go buy food and they give you rewards. And we, I can't tell you how much free food we've gotten because they give us points every time we buy something. And 
Reminds me of when I was a kid, and I'm going to date myself here, when they had S&H green stamps. And, uh, you know, you would take those in, and the little lady, the checker, they used to call them checkers, people. Uh, yeah. the, the checker would have this little machine that had a, a, a dial-like thing on it, and she would put her finger in and dial it around to get how many you needed. But if you live, if you practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in, in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. So what he's saying here is what you do, you don't do it with the thought of announcing it. You do it with the thought of meeting the need in the name of Jesus Christ. And when you do it in secret, when you live your life, you don't practice your righteousness for the sole purpose. You don't practice your Christianity, your walk with God for the sole purpose of letting other people know that I'm a Christian. You live it, and you live it in such a way that it's, it's on display because you live it. It's not on display because you've drawn attention to it. And when you give to people, you don't do it and say, well, look what I did. Look what I did. You do it in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret. How many know God sees what's done God sees everything. He sees what you do when nobody else is around, which is really the key. What do we do when nobody else is around? Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I would submit to you today that if you're going to receive a reward, the reward you want to receive is the reward from God. If I want to get something, if I want to be rewarded, I don't care about the, the apps. I want the reward of God. If I had to pick, I don't care about any other rewards, but I'll take His Amen. every time. Amen. And verse 5 says, and, here it is, and when you pray. And when you pray. So setting the stage for how you live your Christian life how you deal with needs and how you do that in a way that is honoring God, but not honoring yourself. In that context, that sets the stage because if we don't get that part right, we can't proceed because this is an and. It's connected to what's above it. And when you pray, everybody say when. when. It's not if, it's when. When you pray, the expectation is that God wants His people, He expects us to actually pray, to say words, to talk to Him. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have their, received their reward in full. It's that same mindset of, I'm going to pray and do it and broadcast it so everybody knows that I, I pray. Um, but when you pray, everybody say when. when. When you pray, go into your room. Everybody say my room. My room. Close the door. Say close the door. close the door. 
and pray. Everybody say pray. You should have a place where you pray. If you right now cannot identify a place where you pray, the scripture here, Jesus said, and when you pray, you go into your room and close the door. What is that a, what is that a symbol of? It's a symbol of saying that I've got a specific place that I can go where I'm not distracted by anything else, but I've got to get to that place and pray. For me... Because it's just the two of us at home, it's in the mornings whenever Annette is still asleep and I am on the couch in the living room and it's quiet. There's nothing else going on and I love that time with the Lord. You pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You mean the Lord rewards us when we pray? I didn't make it up. We just read it. When you pray and you do that in the secret place, when you do that in your room, when you go in and you close the door from all distractions and you get everything else out of your out of your 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 mind and out of your out of your way and you say I'm going to focus on the Lord. When you do that, then the Lord sees what you do in secret and he will reward you. Verse 7, and, everybody say and. and. And it continues on. When you pray, everybody say when. when. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. How many know somebody that knows how to babble? They just go on and on and on about things that don't matter, things that don't matter at all, and they, and they do it out in front of everybody. If you're going to talk, talk to the Lord first and let Him direct your words. But He says that when you pray, don't be like those other people who just keep going on and on and on thinking that they're going to be heard. And then He says this in verse 9. Then this is how you should pray. Verse 9. Everybody say how. how. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And in the margin of uh, verse, uh, verse 13, it's not included exactly on the screen because it wasn't in some of the manuscripts, but it's for yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. Verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So when we pray, this is how we should pray. I want to focus on verse 9 this morning, and we'll focus on the other verses in subsequent weeks. There's so much here. I could preach more than a month on this. Verse 9, our Father in heaven. Prayer must involve the worship of our heavenly Father. He loves us, and He cares so much for us that He gave His one and only Son so that we would not, have, we would not perish, but we would have everlasting and eternal life. Our Father in heaven reminds us that He's not here on earth, 
but he's in heaven, which lets us know that he is not subject to the limitations of an earthly father. Our heavenly father is always right. He's always good. And he always has a plan for our lives that will bring us closer to him. As an earthly father, I can tell you, I can look back and I can see mistakes that I have made in, in my parenting skills and think, you know, if I had had it to do over again, I would have done it differently. And we can all make those statements. But God will never say that because everything he does is always right and always good. He is our heavenly father. Verse 9 continues as we learn how to pray. He said, hallowed be your name. Now, when's the last time you used the word hallowed in a conversation? Uh, you know, it's not a word that we think of a lot, but it's a very important word. What hallowed be your name means is that we are going to reverence the name of our Heavenly Father because His name is higher than any other. He is higher than any other. Uh, how do we do this? When we praise Him, when we glorify Him, when we exalt Him, when we worship Him, when our life points to Him, we are hallowing His name. Uh, when we come to our Heavenly Father in prayer, showing Him complete reverence, not just when we pray, but how we live. How we live. Hallowed be Your name. We live our lives in such a careful manner. I used to hear this term when I was a kid, and I haven't heard it in a long time. But, but um, it, I've heard it said that living the Christian life is a careful life. It's a careful life. It means that we have to take extreme care in how we live. Because we do not want anything in our lives to point to us we don't want anything in our lives to point to Him that would bring reproach on the name of Jesus. We don't want to point anything to the Lord that would be negative in any kind of way. We don't want to point negatively to another brother or sister. We don't want to point negatively at the church. And so what we do is we say, Lord, we want to hallow Your name. We want to reverence Your name to the point that that if, if our flesh gets in the way, we're just going to go back to our prayer closet and we're going to say, I don't want to be in this place where I'm going to bring reproach on your name. How many have ever, how many have ever looked at the behavior of a kid and say, yep, it's the parents, that's how he was raised. How many have ever done that? You've thought, if you haven't said it, maybe you've thought it. You've thought, well, it's a reflection on how they were raised. And that's not always the case, but there are some, there are many children who take on those characteristics. And if you don't believe me, when's the last time that you said something and you thought, man, I'm turning into my father, I'm turning into my mother, because they used to say the same thing. But it is an absolute reflection, and that's how our lives should be. We hallow the name of the Lord because we bring glory and honor to Him, not just in our prayer, but in how we live and how other people see us. How many, how many have ever heard the term that perception is reality? Perception is reality. To other people, perception is reality. We all walk in that realm. Well, that little hole, I'm sorry, Darlene, I can't get through it. That little hole in the wall of a restaurant, they can't have any good food at all. I mean, look at that place. I mean, it looks like, it's looked like it's just, you know, it doesn't look very well kept on the outside, but they may have the best food on the inside, but we're making a determination by what we see. 
Do you see what we're saying? Yeah. We're saying that that is a reflection. That is a reflection of what we think about it. And so when anybody sees something, even though we don't feel like it's the case, because we feel like, we feel like everything's okay, but yet there's something on the outside that somebody sees and said, well, just look at that person. I'm not really sure about their character because look at how they're acting. I know I'm meddling here, but you know, well, I've just got a problem with my temper. Other people will never see Jesus if your temper is on display. Other people will never see Jesus if anything of yourself is on display that will negatively. Well, if Christians are going to be that way, I just don't want to have anything to do with it. That's not hallowing the name of the Lord. Hallowing the name of the Lord is I'm bringing reverence to you. I'm never going to do anything in my behavior. I'm going to do my best. Now, I understand we all make mistakes and we all slip up. But we should never excuse our mistakes and we should never excuse our slipping up. We should say, Lord, help me to get better and not do that again and go back to the altar and say, I'm going to live my life in a careful way so that I won't bring reproach on your name. How we live is a reflection of what we believe. Verse 10 goes on to say, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. When we pray, your kingdom come. We are telling our Heavenly Father that we are longing and we are looking forward to His reign throughout the earth, both now in a spiritual context and later when Christ comes to set up His literal kingdom of God, the kingdom of God on this earth. What we are saying is that, Lord, we want you, God. We want your assertive power to show up right here, to show up right now within us your people, so that we can destroy the works of darkness, the works of oppression and sin, and the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon your people. That's what we're saying is that, Lord, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come is absolutely relevant because I want your influence to be in my life. I want your influence to be here in my world where I live. This prayer so far has just been setting the stage for making sure that we are in the right attitude and frame of mind to proceed in this prayer. Verse 10 continues, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, your will be done, we are laying it all out there and saying from the depths of our heart, we sincerely desire for the will of God to be done and for His eternal plan to be accomplished in our lives and in our family in every way, without reservation, without holding anything back. And any time that we, we hold anything back from God, what we, we're not really saying your will be done. Well, God, I want you to do what you want to do, except in this area. We're e we, we easily, as humans, are able to compartmentalize parts of our life. It's like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll do this in, in this part of my life, but over here, Lord, I really don't see the connection. I believe that Jesus wants to be Lord over every part of our lives before He can be Lord over any part of our lives. We believe that Jesus is Lord, and if He is Lord, He is supreme. And His rule and His reign is relevant today. This is a major relinquishment of our own will and our own desires. At one part in the scripture, Jesus calls it denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. When we say, I don't want what I want anymore. The problem in, in, in a lot of 
a lot of situations today is people are people are saying, well, I want what I want and that's just the way it is. And I'm stubborn and bullheaded and that's just the way I want it. We will never get to the place God wants, wants to take us as long as we are too stubborn to go along on the journey. We can't get on the destination where we are needing to go if we never get into the vehicle. And the vehicle is the Holy Spirit that will take us to that place. And God says, I'm waiting for you to get into the car. And we're worrying about all these other things and thinking, no, I, no we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do that. And the Lord's just waiting and waiting and waiting. Is our prayer really your will be done? Your will be done. In order for his will to be done, we have to check our own will at the door. And we have to say, Lord, your will be done. When we pray this, we pray for God's purpose to be fulfilled right here in the seen natural realm where we are just where we are, uh, where we are just as it is in heaven. In the unseen supernatural realm. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will fulfilled in heaven in the unseen supernatural realm? Here's an example. You probably know this from Genesis chapter 1 verse number 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. God spoke light into existence. Before he created the sun, moon, and stars, he spoke light into existence. Now you figure that out. I can't. How does light, because in our finite minds, we think light comes from what we can see. But he created light when there was no light. He said, let there be, and it was. That was God's plan, his purpose and design. And it happened just as he willed it to happen. And when God wills something to happen, it happens. But when we pray... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are asking that whatever he wants is what we want. Lord, whatever you want is what I want. Some people have to get to the end of their rope before they can, before they can really get to that place. Lord, I've lived, I've lived my life how I wanted to live. Now I'm ready for how you want me to live. I'm, I'm ready to surrender my will at the door and say, Lord, whatever you want is what I want. And for some people, it's a harder decision than others. Some people have to go through tremendous trials and difficulty and tragedy before they get to that place. But if we can, on our own, get to that place before, before we have all these things happen to us, and we can say, Lord, I want your will to be done, not mine, then he will accomplish what he wants to do in our lives. The only reason that God's will might not be done. There is a reason why God's will might not be done. I bet you didn't think about that. There is a reason God's will might not be done. And here it is. Because he has given us a free will. And we have the ability not to allow his plan or his purpose to become a reality in our lives. We have the ability to say no. God has a plan, but we have the ability to say, I don't want your plan in my life. Mm 
We have the ability to say, I want to do what I want to do. The real thing is, many people in the Christian circle, they go through the motions of being a Christian. They go through the motions of walking with the Lord. They go through the motions of going to church, of, of, of living a Christian life, having a lot of Christian influences, but when it comes right down to it, they're not living their lives according to what His plan is. And sometimes the reason may be they don't really know what His plan is, and that's, that's absolutely understandable why we don't know, that we don't know what God's plan is. It can be difficult. I mean, how do you know you can take the best builder in town and you can say, I want you to build me a house and he'll say, show me the plans. Oh, you don't need plans. You've done this for years. And he probably could put something better together than any of us could, but he's not going to put something together to the detail that's in the plans because can you imagine Anybody ever seen one of those construction projects that somebody did themselves and it looked like they did it themselves? That's how our lives are sometimes. Our lives can get in such a mess because we decided to do it a certain way and we didn't let God do it His way. Isaiah 55 and verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if we can grasp how much better His plans are, if we can grasp how much better His purpose is for our lives and His will for our lives, then we can truly pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Once we get to the place where we desire the will of God and we pray, your will be done, how can we know what God's will is? It's one thing to say, well, okay, I've come to the place where I've just, you know, I've been in control and in charge long enough and I'm just going to let him be in charge. Many people come to that place when they come to the point of salvation because they say, I'm, I'm just... I don't, I'm turning to Jesus because I can't, there's nothing I can do with my life. I'm going to turn it over to him. But somehow through the years, the devil tricks us and he lies to us and he makes us think that our ideas are pretty good. Not to say that we can't have good ideas, but when an idea doesn't align with the plan of God, that's where the problem is. Romans 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Is everybody in here alive? I think you are. If you're alive, then you're called to live as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that is given over for sacred use by our God. And we're saying, Lord, I'm going to present myself as a living sacrifice. That means I'm going to live out in a way that my life is set apart for you. Holy and pleasing to God. How can we be holy and pleasing to God? 
Well, our answer's right here. Right here. It's in the book. It's in the book. We live our lives holy and pleasing to God because we live by this book. This is your true and proper worship. The King James says your reasonable service. This is your true and proper worship. And then he goes on in verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. How many have seen the pattern of this world? How many have seen the pattern change? Um, there are changes that are taking place. Even if you're under 30, there are changes that are taking place in your lifetime that you would never have even imagined. I cannot imagine. There are things that our children are facing today that they never had to face. And some people... I've heard people say, well, I don't know if I want to raise a child in this environment. Every generation has said that. Yeah. Every generation has said that because it progressively gets worse. And it will continue to get worse and continue to get worse. But see, the thing is, is not to avoid the conflict. And although we don't want conflict, but to be firm in our faith and live as a living sacrifice to the Lord and present our bodies how we live, we live a careful life presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. It is holy and pleasing to Him. It is holy and acceptable to Him. And when we do that, we have the ability to impart that into our children and into our grandchildren and they will stand firm. Why do you suppose that in the midst of, in the midst of a time of slavery when Moses was born, when Moses was born, um, and the babies were being killed, and he was being hid. And you know the story, I'm not going to retell it, but he got given back to his mother. And the Bible scholars think that she probably, they probably had him in his mother's home until he was about four or five years old. And everything that was instilled in that young man stayed with him the rest of his life. So the thing is, is we keep pouring into our children. We keep pouring into our grandchildren. We keep pouring that in. But how many know that you can't pour what you don't have? The way that you have is to present your bodies, everything about how you live as a living sacrifice, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't even look at the pattern because if you look at a pattern, the more time you look at it, the more time you, you think about it. Don't even think about what's going on in the world as far as, as your life goes, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. What it is that you pour into your mind and pour into your spirit will absolutely have a direct result on how you are able to present yourself as a living sacrifice to the Lord. If you fill your mind and your spirit with garbage, there is no way that you can present your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. But if you fill your mind and your spirit with the Word of God, when you fill your mind and your spirit with the with uh, with the, the time with the Lord and you have that connection with Him and the Holy Spirit begins to pour inside you, then you have have what is needed to live as a living sacrifice when you do that the scripture goes on to say then you will be able to test 
and approve what God's will is. In other words, you're going to be able to discover what the will is of God in your life. How can I pray God's will? Your kingdom come, your will be done. How can I know? It is by living a clean and a godly life to the best of our ability based on the word of God, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is our reasonable service. It's our act of worship to him. Not conforming to this world, but conforming to the truths of the Word of God. And when we do that, we will be able to know and understand what God's will is for our lives. Knowing what God's will is. Well, how do you know what somebody thinks? They tell you. You ask them. What do you think about this? How many know that there's brutal honesty sometimes? There's some things that, doesn't, that don't need to be said. But there are some things that absolutely need to be said. And we say, Lord, I surrender to you and whatever, whatever is going on in my life that shouldn't be. Just like we did this morning. We say, Lord, I bring it to you. And I say, God, I can't do anything about it. But you can. I surrender to you. I submit to you. In the name of Jesus. Many times we have difficult things, behaviors and attitudes that we example. And sometimes they may not be what we want, but we, in a time of weakness, we may have one of these on display. Um, I've seen it going down the highway on my way to work. Um, there are moments. My former pastor, Steve Bookout, made this statement, and I thought it was a pretty good one. And he said, you know, when the devil comes, and you know he's going to come to cause you to be tempted or do something that you shouldn't do. You know he's going to come. So anticipate that he's going to come and have those scriptures ready that when you see that attack and you see that lure into that area, then you stand up and you recognize it and you say, I am going to take a stand against you, devil, and I'm not going to do that. And I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Especially if you know you've got a particular weakness in a particular area. He's going to attack you again. Living our lives is important as a living sacrifice. We are to be, we're not to conform or yield to the pressure or be like everybody else in the popular culture. We are to be transformed, which is what happens when we allow his word to transform our minds so that our vision, our values, and our plans are governed by God's revelation and his eternal truth. This is really how we are going to discover God's plans for his will and for our future. We test, approve, and we affirm his plans in our lives, and then we please him. I want to know that I have pleased the Lord. If I don't please anyone else, I want to please him. I want to please him. He's the only one that matters. And when I please him, everything else is going to be okay. 
While how to pray can be a struggle, the answers are all in God's Word. And I want to leave you with this verse that affirms what God's will is for you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Can you say always? Always. There's some times when you may not feel like rejoicing. But it's causing joy to arise up in your spirit. Stop until you can rejoice. What are the things that you can rejoice about? The pattern of the world is to say, well, look at all this negative stuff. The government and the prices and this and that and the other. But I'm not going to dwell on that because he's going to take care of his people. Our hope is not in any of those things, but our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to rejoice in my salvation. When I can't think of anything else, I'm going to say I'm going to rejoice in my relationship with Jesus. Verse 17 says, pray continually. Pray continually. That means all the time. We talked about that in our week of prayer. And, and many of the, the pastors who shared in the videos, they talked about this. They talked about having a continual mindset of prayer to where at any point in our day, when we're just, we've got a moment where we're, we're, we're between things and we can just say, Lord, I praise you. I praise you. I worship you. I want to know what you want for my life. I'm just, I'm just looking to you right now. Many years ago, I was puzzled why it seemed like God used the same people over and over again. And I thought, Lord, I know there's, like in a church service, I've seen people be used in the gifts of the Spirit. And I thought, Lord, I've seen people be used in the gifts of the Spirit, several people. But it seems like there's one individual that gets used more than another. And I thought, why is that? And the Lord kind of put it in my spirit. He said, I'm ready to use the vessel that's the most willing to be used and the one that's the most close. And I was just amazed at that revelation. That's why if you, if you have walked with the Lord for any length of time and you know what the, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit is, that's why sometimes you can be around certain people and be in prayer. And sometimes when you're around certain people, it seems like you sense the connection to the Holy Spirit and the Lord just like that. And other times it seems to take a little bit longer. And I would say that that's probably as a result of how close they are to the Lord. How close they are to the Lord. I shared this uh, one evening during the week of prayer this past week. And uh, there's a pastor that I know and I heard him tell this story uh, when he was evangelizing. He told this story. He said he was in a men's clothing store. Uh, I think he was at Dillard's or someplace like that. In the changing room. Just changing clothes. Just doing something common and ordinary. He said, and all of a sudden, he sensed the overwhelming presence of the Lord just fill that little dressing room where he was at and he was just like, ah, you know, just overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord. And he didn't understand why. But he was able to finish what he was doing and, and walk out. And then a little bit later, 
he saw Kenneth Hagin Sr. come out of that dressing room that he had been in, in one of those rooms back there. And he said, that's what it was because there was so much of the presence of the Lord in that man that I didn't know he was in there, but the power of God that was resting upon him was evident around. How would it be for the power of God and the presence of the Lord to be so settled upon you, upon me, that others would be able to sense and they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? That place is a reality when we know what God's will is. He will set up divine appointments. Pray continually. And the last verse is, Give thanks in all circumstances because those things, this is God's will for you. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So how to pray God's will? We've talked about it. This is God's will for you that you rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. Lord, not my will, but yours. Give us this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. And he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I ask, Lord, that you would just allow your anointing to sink through into every part of our lives. May we live our lives as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to you, Lord. May your heart and your plans and your will come to a reality in our hearts and our lives today as we surrender to you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you as we surrender to you right now. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah.